Through the Advent series, we have been looking at the person, work, and mission of John the Baptist. We continue that this morning by looking at a brief passage from Matthew chapter 11, where we will be reading the first six verses. If you're looking that up in your pew Bibles, that can be found starting on page number 969. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen behind me. The 11th chapter, the Gospel of Matthew says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, that's John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I hope and I trust that for many of you here this morning, the Christmas season is just a joyous and easy, wonderful time of celebration. That as we light these candles of hope and peace, joy and love, it's just a reflection of all of those things that God has been doing in your life. You look at this year and you celebrate new relationships, new members of your family, Progress in your career, God's blessings in your work, and, you, and your praise in this season is easy and it is given freely. But as much as I hope that that is many of you, I'm always and acutely aware that for many others, in some ways the Christmas season is a struggle. Because you hear of hope, love, joy, and peace that is supposed to have come in Christ. And you want those things so desperately in your life. You look for God's work in your hand. You seek to be faithful to him. But the reality of your life and your experience is not exactly fitting with those words. For everyone who welcomes a new member into their family, there are those families who continue to pray for the joy of a little infant to join their homes. And that prayer is not answered. You think about all of those who have children, and yet those children continue to wander further and further from the faith. And instead of coming closer to the Lord, all that they see is their child rejecting the area, the things that they had been taught and raised in. There are those who this life, instead of finding peace, all they seem to find is chaos. As one illness is transitioned into another and their life is full of just doctor's appointments and bad news in the results of tests. And I could go on and on and on with the struggles and the burdens that many people feel. And the struggle is that I thought there was supposed to be hope and peace, and joy, and love, but that doesn't seem to be what I am experiencing. And in that division, and in that struggle, 
we ask questions. At those low points in life, we want to know, well, where is this God? And if Jesus was supposed to bring these things, why haven't I experienced them? And if I haven't experienced them, does that even mean that Jesus actually brought those things or not? I mentioned those difficult struggles because in our text for this morning, John the Baptist appears to be at one of those low points in life. And he's starting to ask some of those very same questions. So far in this brief sermon series, we saw how John the Baptist was born of a promise. That he was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah to bring a great word of hope to a nation that was struggling. And then we saw how the word he brought was that message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was a message of warning to those that did not recognize Jesus for who he was. And it was a word of hope and encouragement to those that did, that they would be rewarded with their response. And then last week we saw how he prioritized Jesus when he came and how he pointed others to him and to his message, even when it meant that others would be losing, he would be losing some of his own audience and they'd be turning to Christ. That was the greater mission that he celebrated. But this morning, the John the Baptist that we meet is a little bit different. And despite all of those loud and eager proclamations, despite the things that he had seen and experienced, he asks this out-of-character question that is the heart of our text. He wants to know, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? He knew that there was a promise of one to come. And he thought it was Jesus, but he wants to verify whether or not that is true. And in that, we have a question. Where is this coming from, John? I I thought you had been so bold in your proclamation of who this Jesus was, and you'd seen great things. You'd heard the voice of heaven. You saw the dove landing upon him. Wasn't that enough to verify Jesus' identity? Where does this out-of-character question come from? And as we ask that question, we have to admit in searching for an answer, there's some speculation. But it's speculation that's developed from the context of this text and from the bigger picture story. The first clear reason or the first clear clue comes from the fact that John was in prison at this time. Now, he hadn't done anything worthy of getting arrested or anything wrong. In fact, what he had done was offended Herod the king. You see, Herod had fallen in love with his half-brother's wife, Herodias. And in falling in love with her, they began a relationship. And even though both of them were married, so they, they divorced their previous spouses and they got married with one another. And when John the Baptist saw this going on as a righteous prophet, he called that out and he identified that as sinful and wrong. And yet when he did that, Instead of Herod falling on his knees in repentance, and instead of John being celebrated and and being uh, redeemed by God or or, or deemed as, as right 
by God, he ends up paying the punishment. He goes to prison and is isolated and separated from anyone. And the wicked Herod continues to be able to live in his palace and to continue with life and his sinful behavior. And this doesn't seem right to John. It's obviously frustrating and it brings him to a low point, a low point where he starts to ask some questions. Not only was he in prison, but in that, it seemed abundantly clear that John's previous expectations for who the Christ would be and what would happen when this kingdom came were no longer in line with his present reality. His message, as we said, had been a message of hope for those who repent and a word of warning against judgment for those who did not. And that was the kingdom of heaven that was supposed to come and was imminent. It was supposed to be here. And as soon as it did arrive, that's what was supposed to happen. And yet, John had been faithful and he was in prison. Herod had been wicked and he's still in his palaces doing just fine. And because his expectations were not in line with his experience, like many other prophets from the past, he starts to ask some of those really big questions in life. God, where are you? If I'm doing the right thing and bringing the right message, why am I the one who is bearing the burden and the struggle of that message? Why am I being harassed, persecuted, and imprisoned? And the wicked are getting away with everything. If you are the God of love that you claim to be, why am I not experiencing that in my life? And because many of us have asked those very same questions, we can empathize with John the Baptist as he starts to wonder. But what's more important than what John asked is what he did with that question. And who he asked it to. And less than recognizing the struggle that caused him to ask that question. Let's turn our attention now and focus on the answer that was given. Now first of all, you could recognize that there might be some struggle. Some frustration. When the disciples of John go to Jesus and they ask him what seems like a straightforward yes or no question. But they don't get a yes or no response. Instead, Jesus says, go back to John and tell him what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. <clears throat> and that answer that Jesus gives suggests a lot. First of all, while there might be frustration in not getting a yes or no answer, Instead of just saying words, yes, I am, Jesus points to his deeds and his actions. And he says, if you want to know who I am, look at what I do. And the things that he had done are absolutely incredible. Miracles, beyond a doubt. The blind were seeing. 
The deaf were hearing, lepers were being cleansed, even the dead were being raised back to life. Now, for us who have heard these stories of Jesus so long, we assume, oh yes, of course, Jesus does those incredible kinds of things. But again, think of the miracle that each one of those things is. And Jesus says, if you want to know who I am, look at what I've been doing. And what's more than just the actions themselves, but what we recognize in that answer is how those actions actually specifically fulfill prophecies from the Old Testament that were referred to. In places like Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, and many other places, you can hear those prophets talk about when the Messiah would come, he would do these types of things. And so what Jesus is saying is, I've not been acting haphazardly or dismissively. I have been acting with purpose. And the things that I have been doing are exactly in line with, the old, with what the Old Testament prophets said I would be and what I would do. But what about the justice? Yes, maybe the poor are being, the, are being preached to, the, the blind are seeing their sight, but what about the wicked? Why are they not being punished yet? Why is justice not coming, and what about John? And in that, we recognize that justice was still going to come. It hadn't been that Jesus had forgotten about that part of the mission, And the work, but it wasn't going to happen in the time that John the Baptist assumed it would, and it wasn't necessarily going to happen in the way that John the Baptist assumed it would happen. In fact, for justice to come, the justice for the repentant sinner, it would come at the work of Jesus, who himself, though innocent of any wrongdoing or sin, would also be arrested, beaten. And then hung upon a cross where he would suffer and die. And he would do so in order that God's wrath could be satisfied. His need for justice for your sins could be eliminated and satiated as he offered himself as the pure and perfect sacrifice on behalf of your sins. And what is more, we can also look back at the greatest action that Jesus ever undertook. And that the fact that on the third day, when he had gone to the grave and died, that he rose again of his own power. And in rising of his own power, he demonstrated that he had complete control over all of the effects of sin in this dark and broken world that included death itself. And therefore, the final victory had been won. But darkness still remains. And we still struggle. And because of that struggle, we still ask questions. And that's why we get to the end of this text in verse 6, where Jesus concludes by saying, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The reality is that oftentimes our expectations for who Jesus is, for what he would do, for the things he would accomplishment, and how we expect that to happen are different from our own personal experiences. 
And when that happened for John, he had to ask the important question, does this say something about me and my expectations that need to be adjusted? Or is this saying something about God and whether or not he is the God that he promised to be? And in that struggle, many of us can relate. And unfortunately, time and time again, we've seen it where people, when they ask that question, they answer it for themselves. And they say, since I still experience the darkness of this world, God must not be the God that he promised to be. And therefore, I'm going to walk away from him. Because as long as I continue to have illness in my life, as long as there are burdens that I don't feel like I deserve, as long as my prayers are not going answered the way that I ask them to be answered, then God must not be that God of love. And people turn their back on him. But instead, where should we go to with those questions? We should go to Jesus and to his word. And when we do that, what are the answers that we find? Well, where would you point people who are looking for this hope? First of all, we look for the work, we point to the work of Jesus. How he did heal the sick. Restore sight to the blind and give hearing to the deaf and raise those back to life. Did he do that for everyone? Certainly not. But in the, in the things that he did do, he showed who he was and the power that he had. Furthermore, we get to point to his work on the cross and to the empty tomb. Things that, that at the time John didn't know about and, and could only imagine what that would be like. Or he probably couldn't even imagine what Jesus was going to do as the Christ in offering himself on the cross and rising from that grave. But in that empty tomb, we can point to the fact that Jesus was victorious over death. Now, the rest of Scripture struggle with how we live in that already not yet. How the victory has been won, but the battle continues to be fought. The darkness remains. And the story of scripture is that we will face trials and persecutions and struggles. That life will not be perfect until he comes again and brings us to glory. And how do we know that will happen? Again, because the tomb is empty and he has gone before us to prepare a place for us. Trust me, I know, I see the faces. Think about the phone calls that I make of those who struggle mightily. Where is this God that I'm supposed to hearing about, be hearing about and celebrating in this season? But in those struggles, bring them to the Savior. Bring them to the Christ who was willing to suffer himself in the most unjust of manners so that you might have your sins forgiven. Bring them to the empty tomb with the disciples that say he is not here, but he has been risen. And hear that Christ say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will take you. I will come back to take you so that you may be where I am. Yes, we will struggle in this life. But the great promise is that the victory has been won. Jesus is the Christ. He proved that over and over again.
And as one commentator said, not even related to the time of Advent, but writing about this text in general, they commented that a God of love doesn't necessarily mean that your life will be free of burdens. Instead, the promise of a God as love is that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there with you. I will guide you. I will hold your hand and you will know of my presence until I return to take you to glory with me. That's the hope that we celebrate. That's the answer of the Jesus who was the Christ, fulfilling all of God's promises for us. Toward that end, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God and Heavenly Father, I begin by praying for those who have been and will continue to struggle during this Christmas season. How they are looking for the things that you promised and they don't feel like their expectations are being met by their reality. Father, bring hope to where there is hopelessness. Bring joy to where there is grief. Bring peace to where there is chaos. And bring love to where there is loneliness and struggle. And in that, we thank you for the gift of Christ. We thank you that we don't have to just take your word that he was the fulfillment of prophecy. But we see him acting and doing the things that you said he would do. And as we see that in him, may we, your church, act and be and be seen as those who bring that hope toward others. And as we bring our burdens to you, O Lord, remind us again that indeed you, the Son of God, left the glories of heaven to come to this earth for for yourself to suffer so that we might be reconciled with you. All this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.